We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Lock It Up with Kurtz. It is the second podcast. John Kurtz and Aaron Lockett, former Wildcat legend and wide receiver, NFL wide receiver as well, with me here on the podcast. We got things rolling on episode number one with Tyler Lockett, as Mm -hmm. we had to, right, with Aaron, his uncle here on the show. But now we morph into what everybody is talking about, which is conference realignment. And unfortunately, it's a very uneasy time right now for K-State fans having to try to deal with this this will not be the most fun episode of this i'm sure that we ever do but it is going to be very informative and give you uh, basically an update on what i'm hearing right now and trying to talk to a bunch of people over the last six or seven days to sort through what's going on with conference realignment the show is brought to you by 360 vodka and holiday distillery the versatile lineup 360 vodka has to offer the cocktail creations are endless whether it's craft cocktails batch drinks or infusions 360 has your drink of choice covered It's the only vodka responsible enough to carry the world on its shoulders. And, hey, to be honest, you may need some of that right now. I would suggest hitting the uh, 360 vodka right now to handle the stress of conference realignment after Oklahoma and Texas now officially declared their intention to leave the Big 12. And today, as we record here on Tuesday, they officially uh, applied for membership to the SEC. So, yeah, Aaron, you're somebody that played, obviously, in the Big 12. You played against Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, this has been a lot to absorb here over the last week. What, what's been your reaction to, uh, to everything that's happened? And this is a hard one to swallow. You know, we've always looked forward to playing the bigger schools in the Big 12, and, and K-State was one of those schools. But obviously, the national exposure that Oklahoma and Texas would bring was something we always looked up to. Those are those wins that would push you up to the top five uh, in the top 25 rankings. And so – when you eliminate those teams from the Big 12, you still have a conference, but the reality of it is two of your staple teams that were there have now left. And so what's left, right? You look at the, the West Virginias and the TCUs of the world, and there's an opportunity to play those guys and, and play well, and do they have enough national exposure? But without the OUs and the Texas, what really remains for the remaining schools in the Big 12? And, and that's up for, for conversation. Yeah, it's very sobering. It's very sobering. And, you know, you coming from it, from a player perspective, I mean, I know you obviously were fired up to play Oklahoma every time you went out there because you're an Oklahoma guy. You were overlooked by them. Your whole family somehow was overlooked by them uh, coming out of high school. I mean, those are games. That's a, if we're being honest, that's a big selling point of why you want to come to play at K-State because you get a crack at Oklahoma and Texas teams like that, that clearly get everybody fired up. I think the biggest part that's going to hurt the remaining teams is the recruiting process. 
if you think about the talent that comes out of the state of Texas uh, and Oklahoma alone, mainly Texas, though, look at all the all of the great legends from Kansas State. If we just look at the Bishops and the Quincy Morgans, um, look at the Josh Scobies, like all of these guys come from Texas and Oklahoma and an opportunity to play your home state school was something they look forward to. Now you remove that opportunity. And so it hits your recruiting right in the, in the back pocket. And that's going to be concerning long term is. What do you do when you no longer get opportunity to play against so many four and five stars? Because that's what the world has come to now, right? You look at a roster of five stars and, and teams get fired up. But if it becomes just the, the K-States and the OSUs of the world, the reality is there's not a ton of five stars that go there. And so you're talking about the three and the four stars that are playing. And from a national exposure standpoint, the Big 12 already struggled to get a lot of recognition. Now it just seems to be a little bit more challenging to get that recognition going forward. Well, and to, to play off of this recruiting point here, man, the thing that I think about too, as you bring all that up is the fact that the state of Texas is now very hooked in with the sec. I mean, Texas yeah. A&M has really made a lot of headway and this is why they're so upset about Texas coming into the sec. <laughs> right. They made a lot of headway with being like, Hey, we are the Texas school that's in the sec. And that is where most kids want to play when they're coming out right now, because the sec rightfully so has, the impression of being the best college football conference that's out there. And so A&M had recruited really well. They got Jimbo Fisher. They were moving on up. And now Texas yep. can come in and slap an SEC logo on. And it's not like K-State's competing regularly with Texas and Texas A&M with recruits. But what K-State is doing is trying to compete with kids that would be in the second or third tier there. And now if you are Ole Miss, if you are South Carolina, you can come into the state of Texas and say, hey, speaking of playing your hometown school – there you go. You can go play Texas. You can go play Texas yeah. A&M. Like we're a conference that includes your state. Now it becomes tougher to recruit some of even the second and third tier kids. Well, just in the Big 12, what's your signature win, right? And so you look at the remaining teams and you try to figure out, is it beating Baylor? Is it beating Texas Tech? Like what is the win that's going to propel you to the top 10? I'm not sure any of the remaining teams have that national exposure now to say a big win versus Iowa State puts you at the top, right? And so now you basically have to run the table. You've got to go undefeated in your conference just to get an opportunity to get into the playoffs. If they expand, expand the playoffs, that's an opportunity there, right? So where if it's eight teams or 10 teams, then it makes a little bit more sense. Is Texas going to be competitive in the SEC? Nah, I think they'll be subpar, right? They'll, they'll, they'll play well against the Arkansas and the Missouris, but can they compete with the LSUs and the Alabamas on a regular basis? Not yet. Maybe with Sarkeesian, it changes a little bit because he has some of that SEC stigma. He he comes from, um, you know, Alabama, where he knows now how to play in the SEC. And so maybe that helps him. But as of today, a um, little bit of a surprise that Texas went based on talent. But once again, they've got a following that is very appealing to any conference. Yeah, they were literally when the Wall Street Journal evaluated the value of college football programs two years ago, Texas was number one ahead of yep. everybody. So that's the value of the horns. And I know everybody wants to hear, and we're going to get to it, I promise. What does this mean for K-State as far as right. what league will the Wildcats be in? But I, I think I want to hit on this since we're kind of down this Texas road already. I can understand and empathize with K-State fans out there who are just infuriated by Texas. <laughs> I mean, I spent my entire day today, you know, I host a daily radio show in, in Manhattan and was recording an interview with um, Ian Boyd, who is an Inside Texas. Um, he works at Inside Texas, and he's been a guy I've talked to for a long time and like him and respect him, but he basically gave the rundown on what the Texas series of events here is, and that is that Texas feels like they've been 
holding this conference up the entire time based on the fact that <laughs> their version of events is the Big 12 started because Oklahoma, Nebraska, you had all these brands, Colorado, that were very relevant nationally, but you didn't have TV sets, and you needed the TV sets from Texas. Right. And so here comes the good old Longhorns to save the day, and they've just been holding up this conference for the entirety of its existence. And, you know, you can go read Burn Orange Nation. I guess I'll give them some clicks, but oh the SB God. Nation Texas yeah. site, they had a whole article today just outlined, just taking shots at everybody, called K-State overachievers at best, even with Bill Snyder, and slamming everybody in the conference on their way out the door. I mean, that is how Texas feels. And the reality of the situation is Texas has basically they, – they ruined the Southwest Conference by leaving to come to the Big 12. Yeah. They ruined the first iteration of the Big 12 by – alienating Nebraska, Texas A&M, eventually Colorado, Missouri, that whole group that siphoned off and left. And now Texas is looking around and you keep hearing, well, identity crisis. It's boring playing in the Big 12. We don't like playing KU and K-State. The fans don't get up for it. When Texas is the the school that caused it to become more boring in the first place by running off those four, and now they're effectively ending what we have as the Big 12 is currently constituted. So to rant a bit about Texas, it is infuriating because, yeah. I mean, the arrogance – just seeps out of them on their way out the door. And there seems to be a lot of grave dancing on the, the eight schools that are left in the wake of all of this. Well, everything's bigger in Texas, right? And so it's just going to be interesting to see what's next for them, right? Because they're going to put themselves in a position where they have to win, right? And I just don't know how competitive they're going to be right off the bat, right? It'll be interesting to see if they can go in there and transition. But if you look at, if you look at the Oklahomas, um, very impressed with Oklahoma, right? The recruiting tool, the five-star kids. If you look at the quarterbacks they, they, they've brought in, right, whether it's Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, now Spencer Rattler, like they've done a very good job of bringing talent to Norman. And so I think they'll be competitive. I think they've struggled against Kansas State over the last couple of years, right? They've, they've looked at Kansas State as a game that they didn't really get up for, but for some odd reason, we've always had their number, right? We just played well against them. But Obviously, Oklahoma has always put themselves in a position to be successful. So um, for Oklahoma, I get it, right? Going to the SEC, trying to get more exposure. Um, but then again, we've seen some Oklahoma teams that just flat out laid an egg. And so it's going to be interesting to see if they can continuously do it week in and week out. Um, the SEC is different. You've heard it day in and day out. Look at the Georgias and the South Carolinas and the Floridas. Like, it's just a different breed of talent that they, they recruit there. And it's going to be interesting to see how they compete. Yeah, look – it's weird. I mean, most of my ire has been directed toward Texas and all of this because it seems like they really led the charge. And they are, like you right. said, the the less deserving of the two, um, I guess, is one way to put it, to be in the <laughs> SEC. Like, you feel like Oklahoma can roll in there and compete. You know, if you want to get a little fired up today, Bob Stoops wrote a, an op-ed in the Oklahoman where he stood up for what Oklahoma is doing, basically – his was in response really to Oklahoma State fans that I think are very frustrated with what is going on right now. But, I mean, this, the state of Oklahoma and Oklahoma as a program doesn't get quite as much of the ire, I think, from the rest of the league right now just because it does feel like, hey, they're worthy. I mean, if you're going to talk about someone that's been propping up the Big 12 for a while, it's the team that's won the league six years in a row, right? right. It's, it's the Oklahoma Sooners. It's the only team that's actually uh, made the playoff. I don't know, Aaron, you're down in, in Texas country right now. Like what, what does it feel like being in the, the middle of all that? You're from Oklahoma, right? And you're, right. you're now living in Texas. So you're, you're kind of getting inundated by this from all, all different angles. You just can't get away from it, right? Um, yeah. You know, down here, what you'll notice is there's always been a big rivalry between A&M and Texas. And so they've always had conversations around how do we generate that rivalry again, being in two different conferences. And so I think that A&M is like, bring Texas on. We want an opportunity to play them and show them who's the big cat. 
here in Texas. But for the most part, um, I think it's just it's crazy to believe that there's possibly one conference that's going to dominate college football. And the problem with that is they're basically monopolizing the system in the, in the sense of you're going to have so many, quote unquote, good teams in the SEC that even when their fifth and sixth teams don't get in the playoff, they're not going to be a lot of people rooting for the other teams. Right. And the problem with that is there's no parity now in college football, if you look at it. So I thought it was always smart to have um, whether it's Notre Dame being independent and you have OU in Texas and the Big 12 and you've got UCLA out in the Pac-16 the Pac or um that gives them an opportunity, um, or the Pac-12, that gives them an opportunity to have different teams join the playoffs, and people were excited about it. And so now I think SEC football just gets uh, to be so much that I'm not sure anybody's going to really care about the other conferences as they should. Yeah, and that, that's where it gets interesting when we talk about the next moves here. And all right, how does that trickle down to K-State? What happens right. to K-State now? Because, I look, I understand. I mean, it is such a tense time for K-State fans and all fans, I, look, I don't think K-State's in too much of a different situation than the seven other schools as well, and we'll talk about some of those options that they may have. But, man, I mean, we're talking about the future of the football program, like athletics, the university, the city of Manhattan, like the economy right. that runs on on football here. This is a big deal. If you get it left is. on the wrong side of this as things start moving forward, the economic impacts could be far-reaching. I mean, what's the story that everybody loves to tell about Bill Snyder – and his turnaround at K-State, it's that enrollment was declining when he right. came in. The university was in a bad spot because sports and football in particular was in such a bad place. And when he turned it around, eventually wins 11 games six times in a span of seven years, you know, that you were a part of. Right. And now all of a sudden enrollment's back up. It's the front door into the university. Business is booming for everybody. You get left out on the wrong side of that. You're not in a power conference. You're not able to legitimately compete. I mean, we're talking about some real ramifications here. Yeah, I think most people like us are looking at it from a football standpoint. But if you start thinking about the basketball programs and you start thinking about how dominant the KUs are of the world, you look at Oklahoma State, you look at um, Texas Tech, you look at Baylor. Like the, the teams that are left in the conference from a basketball standpoint are very strong, um, even looking from a track standpoint. And so – the problem now is, once again, as you just mentioned, if you get left on the wrong side of the tracks, I'm not sure you can come back from it because it's hard enough to recruit kids that come to Kansas State already. Um, that's just a, a plain fact, right? It's just not as attractive as a Houston or um, a college town like Tuscaloosa, just based on their winning environment. But for us, I think one thing we need to figure out is how do we get to a conference if the Big 12 does dissolve? that allows us to be as successful as we are today. And so that's going to be the challenge for the presidents to make sure that we have a strong enough pitch across the athletic um, realm to say, hey, this is why you need to add Kansas State into the mix. Yeah, there's a lot of stress and pressure on the athletic director and the president, oh, yeah. that being Gene Taylor and Richard Myers still for now, which is an, an interesting element of all of this. Richard <laughs> right. Myers has announced that he is retiring um, here at the end of the year. So this is going out with a bang, I guess, here. And at some point, K-State's going to have to hire a new university president. And that becomes very, very important now. And I think the process probably needs to get expedited on that front uh, with everything that's happening and changing in the world of college athletics. And Gene Taylor still a relatively new athletic director at the Power Five level, but obviously yeah. has been around K-State now for, for three or four years. I think the breakdown here is as follows, and I, I like that that you slipped up and mentioned the Pac-16 there a second ago because that's what, <laughs> what K-State really hopes will exist Exactly, Pac-16. I think that's your best-case scenario. If we're talking about options 
for K-State. I think option one in terms of what would be best, and I know this may sound weird and some people balk at thinking about being over on the West Coast and playing games out there, but we're talking about staying up with the Joneses financially, at least somewhere in the ballpark of where the Big Ten and the SEC are going. Your best hope is that the Pac-12, one, sticks together and doesn't get raided by the Big Ten, and then two, would be willing to either – do the merger with the Big 12 as a whole and go to this Pac-20, that idea, um, which was first floated, by the way, by Big 12 ADs in their meeting last Thursday. Or it could be the Pac-12 taking a group of four teams from the Big 12. And at that point, it's pretty dicey as to whether or not K-State would be included in that group, but you would have to hope that there's a chance that that happens. And one thing I will say, I saw something today that made me feel a little bit better about this possibility, and that is that – the Big Ten was reported to be more interested and concerned with schools that have the AAU distinction in the Association of American Universities, basically just a more elite academic institution. Okay. K-State is not a part of that. The Big Ten wants schools that are a part of that, hence KU and Iowa State, which are both members of that. They're getting some attention there nationally, but Pac-12 not quite as concerned. That's better news for K-State. That, I think, is where you have to start option number one. It's weird, Aaron, to think about going and playing like USC and UCLA um, every single year, whatever that might be. But you would hopefully have some sort of pod system with teams that are back close to you that would be coming from the Big 12 with you. And even though there's no – you lose some of the regional rivalries and all of that, if you want to keep up with the money and not have to slash your athletic budget, that's the best option that's on the table. Well, take a step back and look at West Virginia. So West Virginia is already in that situation, being on the East Coast and having to play against the Kansas States and the Texas of the world. And so for them, it felt odd and it felt weird and, it, and, and for us as well. But as soon as they became competitive within the Big 12, it was just something that we accepted. And so as a player, I would rather play UCLA, USC, Oregon, Arizona State, Arizona all day. Um, I think that's by far the best option for Kansas State right now gives us an opportunity to get more exposure on the West Coast. Um, I think we're more familiar with those teams who played them in some of the bowl games. But once again, USC's tradition is top-notch. They're right there with the Texas of the world. Oregon has always had a strong program, the way they're affiliated with, with Nike. And so for us, it's just an opportunity. Yep, it's further from Kansas. You're not going to have as many fans, but we have a strong fan base that will travel well. It'll just be a bowl game every week when we travel. Yeah. But, but, but for the most part um, – I think that's the most competitive advantage that we have is, is going out there and being competitive. I think that'll also give us an opportunity to recruit out of, out of California. Um, great talent out of California. That'll be something that would be good for Kansas State. I think we fit in to the Pac-12. And so um, if I'm looking at options, if you don't expand the Big 12, if you don't bring a University of Houston in and a, um, a University of Tulsa or Memphis into the Big 12 that can really – help stabilize it, then I think our options is to go out West and see what that looks like for us. Yeah. Well, I I like the point that you bring up about players being excited to go out there and play those games because that's the bottom line, man. I mean, we can talk about UCF, Houston, Cincinnati all day, but if if I'm a player, I'd be more excited to be going to the Coliseum to play. There you go. I'd be more excited to be going to Austin to, to play Oregon. Now, an option that is still here is keeping the league together. And right now that's, that's the big 12's posture outwardly. And just from having talked to some folks at K state, I mean, that first meeting on Thursday between big 12 athletic directors was really about like, Hey, solidarity, let's try to remain together, add some schools. What are our plans? Like, what can we do from here? That's also the best way to milk as much money 
out of Oklahoma and Texas as you possibly can. Hmm. But the, the problem here is what happens with the TV money, which is such a huge deal here. So the Big 12 right now, the TV payout is about $37 million per year. And Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports reported that the, the estimated value per school of a TV contract with the eight remaining schools could be as low potentially as $9 million per year. Wow. You're talking about the difference between 37 million to 9 million. Now you obviously can go add schools, UCF, Houston. Those are the two that I seem to hear the most. They have a lot of potential there. And I think could blossom like TCU did when they were added to the big 12 Cincinnati, obviously under Luke fickle right now is having some success, but it's hard to imagine the big 12 is, optimistic according to the athletic that they could get to north of 20 million dollars per year on a tv deal by sticking together and adding some schools there but man if you're down at nine million with the eight that you already have it's tough to see the path to getting to 20 i mean that seems like a pretty generous estimate and even then you're still taking almost a 50 percent pay cut from what your income has been right now in the big 12 and that's with everybody else by the way going up up and up i mean the big 10 is projecting 67 million per team by 2027 so You know, I know a lot of people, I think even from just a regional standpoint, would say, hey, it makes more sense to stick together and go pluck teams from the American and keep the Big 12 name. But this is why I emphasize that the best case scenario here to be closest to operating at a big time level like K-State is right now would be finding some way to branch off into a rebranded Pac-12 just because there's a better chance, there's a way better chance of having that money be at least somewhat equal. I mean, it's the the financials here are pretty sobering when you break it down. Yeah, well, a 75% value decline from 36 to 9 is just not sustainable. That just won't work for Kansas State or any of the other schools. And once again, everybody's single until somebody wants to date you. And so West Virginia's in that boat, right? As they start looking at the Big East or, or the Big Ten and trying to figure out who wants to entertain them the minute somebody gets an offer they're going to take it on their own and they're going to run and so i think that every school um ironically is on their own right now i think everybody would like the big 12 to stay together but once again it's until somebody comes and offers you something and so for us i think it's smart for kansas state to start opening up options and being public about it and try to say hey what options do we have to go to other conferences because when it's all said and done, if you don't advertise yourself to be plucked into one of these conferences you're going to end up you mentioned is that just doesn't work for you, right? I'm sorry. It's just not attractive for Kansas State to play Wyoming-type caliber team every week. It just doesn't work. And when you go undefeated in that conference, people are going to say, it's like coming from a a, a two-way school, right? Great talent, average 35 points a game in basketball, but you didn't play anybody. And so that's the problem that Kansas State's going to have. And so it was nice to have that national exposure when we were in the big eight playing against the Tommy Frazier's and you play against the Michael Westbrook, uh, Westbrooks for, for Colorado. And then you transition to the big 12 in 1996. And you started playing against the OU's and the Texas of the world. But now, like I said, you don't have that signature game every year where you said, okay, regardless of who I'm playing, I'm going to get an opportunity to play a top 10 team because per name alone, Texas is always going to be ranked in the top 15. OU is going to always be a good team. And then we had enough, competition with the TCUs and the Baylors. It rotates who's better or not, but we always had five or six teams within the Big 12 um, that would that would stand in the top 25. And now I just don't want to get caught in a conference because we already have that stigma of everybody's a walk-on, everybody's a two to three star. We're always trying hard. We barely won. And that's not the reality of Kansas State football. That's just a story they always want to tell. But we have a lot of talent that's come through there, which is why we've won as many games as we have over the last 20 plus years. Yeah, and you you kind of brought this up, you know. I mean, a, 
if it were the Mountain West, which I know is kind of the default self-deprecating joke everybody wants to make right now, if you're if you're going to get to that point, like the the money I looked up the Mountain West TV payout, they actually were just very excited to quadruple their payout to teams at four million dollars per year, as opposed to yeah. again the thirty-seven million that K-State is making right now. So I, I know yeah. you know we even had somebody call the radio show and say hey, just go into the Mountain West and become Boise State and dominate there. But you're just talking about so much less money. It will be so much harder to recruit talent. Yeah. Even if you did find your way into the playoff, like how do you even stand a chance to compete? Because you know you think K-State's under-talented right now. Try and figure out what it would be if you're not playing games against big teams and your budget is that much lower, et cetera, et cetera. Like that, that's the problem right. here that you're facing. And the, the worst-case scenario is that – the Big 12 splinters off everywhere else with, yes, West Virginia to the ACC, which I, I think out of all of the rumors that you have floating around, which are a plenty, um, West Virginia to the ACC is the one that seems to be the most logical for a Big 12 team to go to right now. Obviously, it fits the profile um, with where they're at geographically. It also brings back Pitt, which is their natural rival, the backyard brawl that got broken up when they had to go to uh, to the Big 12. So there are a lot of things there that would make sense. The other thing that you see a lot of, and this is where we talk about real worst case scenarios, is KU and Iowa State to the Big Ten. Yeah, They are both AAU schools, so they fit the academic profile that the Big Ten wants. The thing is, now there was a report that KU had set up a call with the Big Ten. At the time, I was told that that was false. It then came out a couple days later, a national reporter, Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports, also reiterated that it was false. I think it sounds like KU and Iowa State are trying to shoot their shot right now, mm -hmm. so to speak, with the Big Ten. But the next move for the Big Ten that they're thinking about is trying to go raid the Pac-12, take USC, make some kind of big move to correspond to Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. So I think that's really the thing here is it's just going to take a lot of patience. I think Kansas and Iowa State right now are just, like you said, does anybody want to date you? I mean, they're desperate. Like Just like every other school in the league, it's not like the Big right. Ten needs to move fast to make sure that they scoop up KU and Iowa State. They'll be there if they ever right. decide they want them, but they're going to go after big-time moves before it trickles down to that. So you hope, you have to just hope, 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 hope that KU and Iowa State don't wind up getting an invite to the Big Ten. But right now I think that's very, very far away if it, if it ever does happen on down the line. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm big on Kansas State putting their best foot forward right now. I don't think we can wait on the other teams. I think we've got to be selfish in some capacity to make sure there's an opportunity for us to be successful. Um, once again, if you look at the Baylors and the Texas Techs, um, they all have a, a, a Texas commonality between them. And so they're going to do what's right for them. But that may be different than what's, what was right for Kansas State. And so for us, I'm hoping we find a way to be aggressive. I think we've always been one of those schools and colleges that's done the right thing. I don't think we're doing anything wrong, but I think you have to shoot your shot just to make sure you understand what your opportunities are. If you wait and let it settle out, I think we'll get we'll get left behind. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I think K-State and everybody in the league right now has to be looking out for their own self-interest while at the same time trying to posture unity and togetherness and all of that because that will still be a fallback option. But everybody's looking out for number one. K-State's yeah. no different. And look, I mean, I, I understand there are some disadvantages that K-State does have, not being real close to a major metro area, not being a, just a, a really recognizable brand across the country. But I do think you have some things to sell. I mean, for one, I think K-State is in a better position, certainly facility-wise right now, than they were 10 years ago, which is something that John Curry does deserve a lot of credit for, the former athletic director at mm -hmm. K-State, who 
got in motion the West Stadium Center, um, the new veneer complex that is there. It did a lot of facility work that has yeah. K-State now very competitive. When you talk about facilities, K-State is very competitive. There's obviously a rabid fan base that will certainly support the team and show up, win or lose, but especially if the team is playing well. I mean, Manhattan becomes a really difficult place to play, so you have a strong fan base full of support. And you do have, I mean, if you look back over the last 10 years of the Big 12, K-State's tied for third and wins in the conference. So it's been one of the better programs. It is a, a good football program, a good fan base with above average to good facilities. That's what you have to go sell uh, right now if you're Gene Taylor and K-State. And I'm with you. Try and be as proactive with that as you can. Yeah, you, you've got to be uh, on the forefront of this. But, you know, one thing that will help this at the end of the day is you've just got to continue to keep winning wherever you go. And you've yeah. got to win big and you've got to be dominant about it. And so does that change – your conference when it's all said and done, maybe not. But if you get an opportunity to play before this settles out, then you've got to make sure that you go out there and make a statement each and every game. And so you've got to get away from um, being nice about, hey, we don't want to embarrass anybody. Like you've got to go out there and showcase what you can do because you're really advertising yourself for the next conference that's looking for you. And so I guarantee you that we're probably neck and neck with the Texas Techs and the Baylors and all of those. They don't know which way to go and who's the – the KU with us and KU in football is not even a comparison. That's not even the question. KU's only hope is as they look at the basketball side of the program. But if you're looking at strictly football, um, Iowa State's coming around. They've got a new coach. They're doing well. But as you mentioned, with Iowa being in the Big Ten, it makes sense for Iowa State just to go in the Big Ten as well. And so for us, um, we're the ones that's kind of left out a little bit because we're not in Texas. We're not up in in Big in Big Ten country. And so where do we fit in, right? And so because of that, we've got to decide. Colorado, you know, who's just a little bit west of us, went that route. And so why shouldn't we go that route as well? Yeah, so much of it is is just geographic bad luck. That really is a part of it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> schools like Vandy and, yeah, Vandy and South Carolina that just so happen to be programs and schools that are in no better position than K-State would be overall if they were here, but they happen to be in the SEC and Southeastern Conference, Southeastern Conference territory. Right. But I love the point that you make, too, about what you can do on the football field in the coming years, because I do think this will be a long, slow drip. I think this will take a while to play out, which is not what anybody wants to hear. Like everybody wants answers right now, but as much as you can do on the field to elevate your profile, it will help because Iowa state, like, frankly, I mean, the big 10 would not even be a conversation 10 years ago. It was not a conversation. Iowa state to the big 10 because their yeah. football program wasn't hot. Yeah. And right now it's hot because of what Matt Campbell has been doing. And that makes a, a big difference. So you get out there on the field, you have a chance to beat Oklahoma or Texas again. I mean, yeah. K-State's beaten Oklahoma two years in a row. You got to do that. And I would think, Aaron, I mean, the players maybe don't take this stuff to heart quite as much as the fans do. But right. still, if you're a player looking at this being like, man, we're about to play these guys who are bailing on us and putting everybody in so much jeopardy. Right. But imagine you can't be possibly more motivated than everybody will be this year when they go play those schools. Well, it's just locker room talk, right? It's whatever you can use uh, to get your team motivated. And so I think, once again, we've always, as as players, got up for the big games. And so OU and Texas was always big games, just based on the fan base, regardless of their record. It was always going to be a packed house. It was always a big-time player coming to that university, which is most likely going to be a high NFL draft pick. And so it was an opportunity for somebody on the team to showcase that they belonged in the same arena as that player. And so I think you'll see us come out and play lights out against the OUs and the Texas because of some of the things they're doing here in the offseason. But, you know, I challenge Kansas State as a football team to be consistent and do it across the board, right? We've we've got talent, right? 
They've done a very good job of doing it and building it from within. We've got um, a polished senior quarterback. Like this is our time now. Um, you know, coach is solidified. He's been there for a couple of years now. It's this is our moment and the stakes are higher than ever this year. They are. They absolutely are. What uh, I'm curious since you brought this up, what was the best uh, like locker room talk or Bolton board material that got you fired up during your Oh play? God, I remember we played Colorado and Ben um Ben was it Ben Wheeler? I didn't what is it? Ben Kelly. Ben Kelly was his name. Um was one of the cornerbacks and and Ben just said that oh God, they've got receivers that are under six foot. They can't, they don't stand a chance to get past us. And I remember getting on the field and come to find out he was 5'8 as well. And I was like, well, <laughs> hell, what are you talking about? And so um, it's just one of those things where people just say whatever they can and think they're bigger than what they are, but you got to go out there and play day in and day out, right? And so um, I'm excited to see what Kansas State can do. Like, um, I think it's wrong. I understand why OU and Texas are doing it once again, but they're looking out for themselves, right? But from a conference standpoint, it's putting a lot of teams and universities um in jeopardy but if that's what's going to happen then it's like i said once again it's on us to make sure that we take care of ourselves and so that's what i'm hoping kansas state does looking forward to seeing where we're going to be a part of but i hope the conversation starts sooner than later about us joining a conference that makes sense for us no doubt and i think behind closed doors it is i know gene taylor's been a busy guy out and about a lot of places this week. So uh, stay tuned. We'll we'll keep you updated on everything that's happening with conference realignment as it rolls along. And, hey, hopefully we get to talking about some actual football here at some point too because uh, it is exciting to think about Skylar Thompson and Deuce Vaughn being back out there yeah. on the field this fall. Uh, again, we appreciate the support of 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery. Seriously, those guys have been awesome. Uh, it's been great to work with them. Really appreciate their support. Um, so go check out 360 Vodka. And um, proud sponsors here of Lock It Up with Kurtz, episode number two in the books. Any final thoughts here, Aaron, before uh, we take off? You know, it's time for football season. You know, this all this extra talk is fun and dandy, but I want to see some football. And so I think we're getting closer to it. The Big 12 media day was great. Got a chance to see some of our big time guys go out there and speak well about Kansas State. But time to put the pads on, time to make some plays, and time to get back to rooting for our cats. Absolutely. Well, for Aaron Lockett, I'm John Kurtz. Appreciate the work, as always, of uh, Tucker Franklin behind the scenes as well. We'll see you next time on Lock It Up with Kurtz. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.